Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. As a reminder, we have split this podcast into two episodes per week. We had our news and restaurant review in the Tuesday episode. This is the Thursday episode where I'm joined by a guest this week. Frankly, he needs no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. He is a James Beard Award winner, a food and wine best new chef, the co-founder of the Southern Smoke Foundation, and the wine guy for Culture Map writing two columns a month. Chris Shepard, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you, my man. It's good to be here. I appreciate you. It's <laughs> it's good to have you. We have a lot to talk about. And and I know when I announced this change last week, I said two shorter podcasts, but I, I think I think we may actually this I I don't know how this is gonna go, but I feel like we may be at this for a minute. And and I just want to start with the most obvious topic, which is the, the thing that I I didn't say about you is the chef owner of Underbelly Hospitality, because it's been about a year mm-hmm. since yeah. you you made that decision to to step down from that organization and to move on and, and do other projects. And we're going to talk about all of them. But but since you haven't talked about it with me in this venue, yeah. take take me back a year. What what made it seem like the right time to move on from this company that you had founded? You know, everything was in new leases. Everything was in new buildings. And, and um, you know, pandemic was one of those times where, you know, it was, uh, you know, I learned a lot. Right. And it, it was one of those things that when we made the changes and when we started to set up how things were going to go, I mean, we set a company up to, to, to grow. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, and I turned 50. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, it was just one of those things for me. It was like, it was time to look at what, to do new things for me. Right. Um, and, you know, they had all the pieces in place. So uh, it just seemed like a natural time for me to go. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I remember when you, you had, you know, the original underbelly and then you did one fifth and, and it was like, well, how are you gonna? How are you gonna get there from one to the other? And you're like, oh, I bought a bicycle. You know, <laughs> I can ride from my house to Underbelly to One Fifth because it, it was all within a few blocks in Montrose. Yeah. And and then you know, then you're at the farmers market, which is way up at the north end of the Heights. You know, you were downtown at, with Tavern. Uh, there were plans to go to Spring Branch. Obviously, those those plans have been announced now, and we're looking forward to that. But it it went from being this like little neighborhood thing to being all over the city. And and I guess you probably couldn't get to all of them in a night without without like really hustling. And that for me was the thing, right? Is like serve, work and service and being. But you know, if you're spending an hour here, thirty minutes there, forty five minutes there, but you're in your car, like doing the transportation, stuck in traffic, blah blah blah. Like it, it's just a lot, right? And that wasn't. I'm not set up that way. Um, and so if I was, but then also like spending one evening with one restaurant and then the next evening with another restaurant, the next evening with another, well, all of a sudden I haven't been there in five days, you know? And so it was just, it's it's not for me. Right. I guess, I mean, that took a lot to understand that about myself is that like, if we were going to grow into 20 restaurants, like what was I going to be doing? Like, I can't, that's not my scenario. Right. And, and, you know, we should say, I mean, you know, the, you, you had put in a really, you know, you had put good chefs in, you know, Greg Peters at, at Georgia James and and Tim Redding at, at Tavern. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could step back knowing like 
they're in good hands. Like these restaurants aren't, they, 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 you had gotten past the point where they were living and dying on you being at the expo, you know, or you being in the dining room every day or, or any of that. It didn't matter, you know, and they, they all have their own shows, their own people. And then, you know what, they're good at what they're doing. And, you know, that was just the beauty of it. You know, it was, that's why the timing was perfect for me. It's like, what do I want to do now? You know, and at that time, it was kind of focused on Southern Smoke. And now there's all sorts of stuff up that I want to do. And, well, yeah. So let's talk about Southern Smoke because you had, you know, the biggest, you know, you, you, you obviously you took a break in 2020. You took a break in 2021. You yeah. came back huge in 2022. Oh, you man. Know, three days of events, big Brutal. blowout in East Downtown. You scale back a little bit this year. You're, you're doing the wine dinner uh, mm-hmm. on Friday. You're doing the, the throwdown at Discovery Green now. Yeah. Saturday. Talk about kind of the evolution of that event and, and making that decision to be like, okay, we, it doesn't have to be like three days of go, go, go. And, and, you know, a zillion chefs, like we can, we can focus on the core of what we do and still a have a great event for that people will enjoy and b raise a whole bunch of money for the foundation, which is the whole yeah, thing. It made more sense to do it this way. Um, just like, you know, the dinner was just a fun thing to do. Um, and but the actual event, I mean, when we did it last year in three days in three different spaces, you know, three different parts of the city, like it was it was hard moving everything around constantly um, and shifting and changing. And, and, you know, Discovery Green came out. <laughs> we were like, why aren't you doing it with us? And I was like, I didn't know that was an option, but uh, <laughs> let's have that conversation. You know, like I feel like when Discovery Green asked you, it's, you become an actual thing, you know. And people are starting to understand what we're doing. And I think that having that big footprint, I mean, Discovery Green's a big footprint. Last year we had a big footprint too, but like, you know, we invited, you know, it had been two years, like you said, and we invited like 70 chefs and they all said yes. Um, And so like, you have to have a giant footprint. And this year it just makes more sense because we, when you start talking about raising money for the foundation, you're giving people the options to be able to go, Oh, I want to do Friday night or, Oh, I want to do Sunday or, Oh, I want to do Saturday instead of like, well, it's just one thing, you know, it's really just the big day um, where you can see all of the chefs and eat all of their food at one time. Um, And it just being in the middle of downtown at discovery green, it's such a beautiful location. and, And, you know, it gives the chefs kind of like a place that's close and, easy to work at you know we're working out of the four seasons and so it just really gives us the ability to be a block away like they can go do whatever they want for the few days that they're in town but you know that one saturday it's gonna be awesome you know and it gives our gives people in our city the opportunity like oh i missed these people on friday because i came on sunday or they have to you know do a big ticket item and buy all three days or however that works out um so now we're just moving it to one day Plus, after seeing the staff, you know, it was it was hard because, you know, moving all that equipment all over the place, setting up, breaking down, setting up, breaking down, setting up, breaking down. Like, that's physically demanding on a team. And I just looked at it. And I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, it's awesome. But unless we're all three days at one place, that makes sense. But uh, let's just let's bring it all into one house, one thing, one day, one show. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and I, and I like that. You know, as this event has evolved, 
it's got that core. Like I, I know Aaron Franklin's going to be there doing brisket. I know Ashley Christensen mm-hmm. is going to be there doing something delicious. Bianca's going to be out there with pizza. But then you always find like you, you know, you sort of you sort of put your ear to the ground and you find the the new people from different places in the country and or even locally and and it's like climb on, be a part of this. And and we've I got, always kept it interesting. We've got one hell of a list this year, which is nice. And I think it's that way every year because. You know, we always try to bring in new folks um, and it, it just makes it, you know, we want to do some rotation and get people in, get people out. Because if not, then all of a sudden we're 150 chefs every year and that's just too many. Right. And I get yelled at because like, oh, my gosh, where are we putting all these people? How are we getting them all here? Like, it's it's uh, it becomes an interesting quandary. Right. And so um, this year we got a good mix of, of, of people. A lot of people that like some people may have heard of, some people may have not, but um, you know, it's 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 pretty cool the the talent that we've got coming this year. I'm really impressed with it. Yeah, give me give me like one or two of the out of towners that you're like, you know, you're staring down you're staring down forty chefs, but like make sure you eat that guy's food. I you know, I can go down the list with all of them is the thing, right? Because they're all I mean, they're all just fantastic. You got Angel Barreto who's coming in from Anjou and DC and, you know, he does a take on Korean food and he's so good. You got the kids from Kasama coming, you know, they just won the beard award this year. Um, you got Rima seal, you know, you got Ana Castro and, you know, it was kind of nice because over the past couple of years, uh, food and wine has asked me to kind of hang out and be a mentor with the food and wine best of chefs. And so, um, like, I asked a lot of them to come, right? Because they're the future of our industry, right? And they need to see, um, if we're going to talk about food festivals, right, they need to see one that's for good. You know, there's a lot of them that are for good out there, but um, there's a lot that are just there, right? They're just a festival. And so this one is like, how you're teaching the younger industry how to take care of their own industry, which is, which is pretty fun. And then you've got some new, you know, from Houston, you got like Levi Goods coming out this year. You know, and, and like, I can't wait to see what that guy does. Um, so it's it's really pretty interesting. You got a really good mix of talent this year. And I'm really, every year I get more and more impressed. And I think that this one just impresses me again. Like the people that say yes and the people that ask, like, how can I be a part? And, you know, and we get, every year we get people again, like, how can I be a part of this? And so I put it on the checklist. Like, how can I get these guys or these people in next year? Because, you know. There is a point where it's like, I cannot put any more people into this physical, physical space, <laughs> right? It just can't happen. And that just so, means you have to start doing it twice a year. You got to spring and fall. Well, we're talking about a spring one that's more wine focused because, you know, I like wine. Right. Uh, let me let me ask you one other thing about Southern Smoke. You know, the nice thing about not being involved in a restaurant day to day is that you've been traveling all over the country promoting Southern smoke, doing events on behalf of Southern smoke. What are you, what are you seeing out there? What are, what, what is the response been is maybe people are learning about this for the first time, or they, they didn't learn about it until the pandemic or, or, you know, what are, what are you experiencing? I I think it's people understanding now what we're actually doing, right. And what we're trying to accomplish because unless, you know, I can send out a flyer, they can look at social media or they can do whatever, but like we went up this year, um and, and and talked at uh you know the beard awards were in chicago again and we did 
kind of the day of party at Monteverde with um, Tabasco and Southern Foodways Alliance. And they said, you know what, take the floor, talk about Southern smoking. So it was like having 200 people there that are the leaders and the new changes and the new folks in the industry, um, kind of what we were looking at. Um, and they're getting the firsthand knowledge about what Southern Smoke does and how we can help their staffs and help their cities. And so, you know, it's, it's, we're going from there. And then we did an event in Charleston and, you know, we're doing one in Napa in a few weeks. And then, you know, it's like myself and um, uh, Kat Bill, who is our director of programming, like we're going to go speak on mental health in DC in August. And so, um, it's all about spreading the knowledge of what we do because um, until we get dishwashers in Montana and South Dakota, and, you know, New Hampshire and cooks and here or farmers there, like we need to have that knowledge of what we're doing. Even in Houston, I don't think people really understand it so much. And so as much as we talk about it and as much as we do for it, I think that we just still, it's always about awareness. Yeah. And, and I don't think the thing that people understand is that like, it's not just for, people who work at independent restaurants. It's not just for people who work at, at cool restaurants or tastemaker award nominees. Like if you work at a, at a taqueria in South Houston and you need emergency medical assistance, you're at the risk of being evicted. You know, Southern Smoke is there. You work at a, at a restaurant inside of a mall parking lot. I don't care. Right. We're all cooks. We're all busters. We're all dishwashers. Anybody in the, in the chain, right? Anybody in the F&B chain. Whether it be the farmer, the fisherman, the, the distillery worker, the brewer, the person that's on the bottling line, I don't care. Right? It's When that crisis happens, we want to be there for it because forever our industry has not had the safety net that it's needed. And so um, with us growing in the way that we're doing it, I think that uh, I think that's a, a big thing because, you know, now that we provide, you know, we first started in, uh, what was it, July of 2020 to be able to provide free mental health care to anybody in the food and beverage chain and their, uh, and their, and their children in the state of Texas, um, I think was monumental for us, but now we're in, uh, Texas, Louisiana, California, Illinois, and New York. And we have programs set up in each one of those States. And the idea forever was like, let's get all 50 States. Let's just go. But until we don't have wait lists, cause like in, in Texas, we are on a wait list. Um, and we're having to figure out how to work that. Um, what other universities can we talk to to come on? Like, how do we build that program? Until we build that roadmap to where there's multiple universities, there's multiple ways. And we're not on wait lists in these five states that we're in. I don't really want to go into more states. Like, we still fund if somebody needs to, to see somebody for a, like a mental, you know, mental health program, uh, we will still fund that through the emergency relief program in any state, but we don't have the program set up except in those five states, right? And so until we can figure out how to make this successful, because as much as I want to believe that at some point in my life that Southern Smoke won't be needed, I just can't, I can't look at it that way. I have to look at how do we set this up for... 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now um, to where this, this, hopefully this organization is still at full force and growing and doing what it's supposed to do. And is in all 50 States with the programs that we've set up in these five, if that makes sense. No, I, I think that makes total sense. And, and I know you guys crossed $10 million in grants recently. I mean, that. We're that almost at 11 now. We're almost yeah. at 11. I mean, that yeah. had to feel 
good. I mean, when we broke a million, I was like, we did it, man. I don't even know what else we could do. And then all of a sudden, 10 million came across just like, wow, you know, we're really doing it. We're really, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling to be able to do. I wish we didn't have to do it, but I'm glad that we can help be the safety net for a lot of people out there. All right. So let me move on to my, my next thing I want to ask you about, which is oh, buddy. writing about writing about wine for culture map. Yeah. Are, I, I mean, it seems to me from the outside, you know, you know, every couple of weeks, my, my email inbox lights up with, with your next column. And, and I, I think, you know, I think it, it took you a couple of months to kind of find a rhythm and kind of find your voice. Uh, but from my perspective, as someone who reads it, it seems like you're having a lot more fun with it recently. You know, that's the beauty of it. You guys are so good to me. You really don't care what I write about. <laughs> it's like, yeah, not, I mean, like, I, I don't, I, I mean, I could, I could see telling, you no if you got into like the politics of wine importing or something like, I'm not doing that. but, but like, if it's, if it's, I love this cool wine and I want to tell you why, yeah. or I like drinking wine at this restaurant, or when I go to Napa, these are the fun places I like to hang out. That's, that's all good. And people love it. Well, I mean, that's what it should be, right? We're talking about, talking about grape juice, right? Uh, and, and we're talking Fancy about a grape former, juice. Yeah. It's a form of preservation, right? Cheese and wine, both like rotted food that we preserved. Um, and so we start to talk about it that way and like making it, <sighs> It shouldn't be, it can have its own way of being like special and, and overthought and, you know, but like at the end of it, like, let's just make it approachable and have fun with it. Popping corks is the best part of the day. Right. Um, and it doesn't really matter what you're drinking, but I'm going to maybe give you some insight of where to do that or, or what styles you should go looking for. Um, and that's the fun part about it. It's just, uh, it's like, <laughs> more wine consumption i mean houston specifically texas specifically consumes more wine than almost anywhere so we're drinking it you know but let's talk about it and, and i and i really always ask like what are you guys drinking what are you doing um and, and i like to have that insight of what the 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 readers are drinking too you know and that's part of it it's like i don't want a one-way street i like it going both ways and so um you know as i Do you hear from and, people or people like responding yeah. to you Okay. Yeah, you know, they'll reach out and, you know, I'll be standing at a grocery store or something and somebody walk up and be like, man, I tell you what, your last week's column was amazing. And that's cool. I never had that before, right? It Maybe feels like, good, doesn't it? That's my, my joke is that when that stops feeling good, when people coming up to me and be like, hey, I love the podcast or that was a great article, stops feeling good, it's time to quit and do PR. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, it's always, you find something else to do in life, right? And, and uh, but right now, I think this is really something that's fun for me and, um very appreciative to y'all for just saying hey like get at it and have a good time and you know you let me use my voice and maybe maybe somebody that wasn't going to sit down and pop a bottle of rosé when it's 104 degrees outside will pop a bottle of rosé now you know or find out and be like oh this special club champagne okay well get at it let's go like here's what you need to know and so you know and and, and it pushes me to learn more about it too i think you you found that out um, easily by writing and talking about it, you learn so much more about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. And, you know, I, I like that, that like we're sending you to places that you may not have like checked out otherwise. Like, like, yeah. I don't know if you would have gotten to Lee's den if I hadn't been like, Chris, you really got to go to Lee's den. Yeah, it would have happened at some point, but probably not as fast as it did. And I'm glad you did. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many places to drink wine in this beautiful city and, 
um, I, I, I just appreciate what people's visions and their thought processes are. And, you know, I really am starting to have fun, like finding this, you know, like last, the last article was, was about, you know, a very specific restaurant with a very specific list, and very specific how they did things. And I really love that too. Right. Or, this list is just wild. And so it gives me the opportunity like to go out now and have dinner and to also not just think about food, but think about the whole service aspect and think about the wine program and how that in, in, integrates into the philosophy of the restaurant. So it makes me happy. Right. And, and, you know, we have, we have, obviously we have like deep programs with thousands of bottles and then we have, you know, smaller quirky little programs with, with, you know, maybe, maybe fewer than a hundred bottles, but, but it but it all pairs really really well with the food it's it's really like smart and focused and and i think you know you can you can kind of share that perspective with people in a way that's not like snotty or not intimidating but that makes them want to go try it i i think that's the real gift of that column it's just got to be fun right you know it should be fun there's enough seriousness out there you don't need that from me no no uh <laughs> Speaking, speaking of another thing there's there's quite a bit of in this world is is food related television shows we're we're recording this on a Monday you're gonna announce on Tuesday and then the audience is going to hear this on Thursday yeah. uh, that you're starting a TV show uh, with channel two with KPRC so tell us a little bit about what you're doing and and how that came together so uh, we were talking with you know the the new general manager of KPRC here in town Phil. Um, and we were talking about Southern Smoke, and then it turned into Houston really needs, and it wasn't me. He started talking to me about it, but it was like Houston really needs kind of a TV show about its food scene. And uh, I was like, wait, what? Where are we going with this? And then we started talking about it, Lindsay and I, with, with him, and it just all kind of fell into place and makes sense. Um, so the new show is called Eat Like a Local, kind of a take on the Cook Like a Local book. Um, but it's just talking about our, our kind of breadbasket that we have here in this beautiful area of what we call our home, um, from farmers to restaurants to, you know, producers, but mainly just talking about the food scene in our city. Um, and, you know, talking about, you know, maybe live fire or, you know, oysters or however it may be. Um, so it, it's kind of more of a, I want to know the stories of people and why and like their dishes and like what made them think of doing it this way or um so you know could be anywhere from a tex-mex restaurant to a traditional like central mexican restaurant to barbecue to you know crawfish to burgers to you know just kind of venturing out into our city and um so that's the show will be on every saturday morning at 10 a.m um 52 weeks a year yeah so get into that a little bit more because there are so many shows like we're not yeah. going to see you like in the kitchen in a chef's jacket no. cooking. Absolutely uh, not. Just, just explain just a little bit more about kind of why it's basically you just like hanging out with people you respect and kind of how you, you got to that format. Well, I think there's so much food in this city that we kind of skip over and not really think about, or we do, but you know, like I want to understand why the, the shawarma and pastor are virtually the same thing, you know, and like how did that translate over into, you know, the Lebanese culture moving into Mexico and Mexico City and Puebla. And then, you know, it going from a beef or lamb stacked rotisserie meat grill 
to pork and tacos, right? Um, I, you know, I think that's, you start talking about food ways and how it works. I think that there's so many stories that we need, need to be talking about, just kind of venturing into and, and letting people in our city, it's vast, it's big, but um, we need to talk about these things, right? Because we all get stuck into our, um, you know, we just went and shot with Candente, right? And I eat there once a week, but, you know, I need to find other things too. So, you know, and the more conversations you have about food, the more you are with, you're better with it, right? And you get to see and try new things. And that's part of it. Like my biggest fun part of this is going to shoot new, new places that I haven't been to um, and just learning like why. And I think that's a very important question to ask is why. I think that's so interesting because, you know, you go to Candente and it's, it's, it's a lot like Tex-Mex restaurants in certain ways, right? That the menu looks the same. They've got chips and queso. They've got a cheese enchilada. They've got fajitas, obviously, but, but then they do some things that are different, right? Like, I don't, I don't know anyone else that's doing carnitas the, the same way that they do. No, or, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, they, they have an outlet for their own products at times, right? Because, you know, having shot with some of the, the, the barbecue restaurants here in the city, like, when you start talking about brisket, that stuff's so expensive. And, you know, you're talking about 30% of that waste is from fat. And they're taking that fat from pit room and grinding it, cleaning it up, and then putting it on the, in a pan on the smoker and smoking it, and then clarifying that. And then that's what goes into their tortillas, right? And that is, in essence, what I call brilliant, Right. It is absolutely brilliant because the texture on that tortilla, because it's not thick and puffy, it's kind of thin and it gets crispy at times. And but it's just that little smoky hint of 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 beef tallow that, you know, it's like you can talk to Truth and you can talk to Gatlin's and you can talk to Fijis, you can talk to anybody that's doing brisket. Like, well, what's your biggest, you know, hardship in like brisket fat? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, right. What do we do? We can't sell it. It's like we can only yeah. make you can only make so many beef tallow candles, right? Like there's yeah, only I mean, when, and, and the thing that I tell these teams is like, hey, you know what? You should be rendering it, clarifying it, and selling it, putting it into jars and selling it, because that is one of those secret things for all the all the folks that get out there on the weekends or on the day-to-day basis and they're cooking briskets at home, is like you need a bunch of beef tallow. And when you go to wrap that brisket after 10 hours or five hours or whatever, I don't cook briskets because I don't want to spend 14 hours and we've got enough of it in the city that I'm just going to go get it from the best. Right. I don't need to try and do this at home. I'm just not going to, but after like four or five hours, when you go to wrap, like, I think you need to know that you have to layer it with a bunch of tallow, a bunch of fat, and that helps keep the moisture and protect that meat. And I don't, most people don't wrap it like that. And if they did, it would make your at home briskets and ribs way better. So a lot of those guys making barbecue should probably think about selling beef fat. Just saying. Or they could, or they could just fry a bunch of French fries in it. That would work for me. I mean, that's what you just was doing. And I don't argue with that. <laughs> All right. So when are we going to see the first episode of this TV show? Uh, it airs at the beginning of September, September 16th. Um, and so we'll be on every Saturday morning at 10. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, I've, this- I've, I've learned so much so much so this is kind of running your life now like people don't know but you you must be filming two or three days a week to to get all this footage together i'm filming four days this week 
So, um, you know, and it's just, you know, we go out for a couple hours, but it's like hitting up all these spots and like, but then you got to do the research on where to go. And then it's like, okay, but I want to go to this farm to see this too. Like, I want to go out into ball or out out into the Bolivar area and go to Barrier Beauties and see how drop net oyster production is changing the oyster farming in Texas, right? Because traditionally we were on leases, dredging oysters, or you had to own your own land. I mean, oysters are now not as easy to get as they were before because um, those plots are being closed. And so there's a handful of people that back in four years ago when the oyster laws changed. And we can do specific areas where we do drop net. Because think about the oyster itself before just plots of land underneath the water where we would dredge and pull up like clustered oysters, break them apart and sell them, right? So the drop net actually sits at the top of the water, right? So it will, <laughs> as high and the high tide, low tide, when it goes into low tide, that oyster kind of comes up out of that water and catches some sun rays, right? And it gets thirsty. And then as soon as high tide comes back in, that's where the highest salinity of water and the, the, how, the, how you build the, the shell, the cup from the wave, um, will give you those deeper cups and higher salinity oysters um, is what we want. And so by being able to do that, like our oysters are just going to be, become better in the state. Right. I, I, I'm right. Essentially, you know, they had been treated as a limitless natural resource yeah. to be harvested at will. And and now we've got people coming in. Barrier Beauties looks at the, the success that they've had with Murder Points in Alabama mm -hmm. and said, oh, we can do that in Galveston. Like, there's yeah. there's no reason we can't do a Texas version of that. Literally so, in, in East Bay. Literally yeah. in East Bay. You know, and so like when you're over... When you're going across the Bolivar Peninsula, you can basically see them out there, you know? And so and down in Matagorda, they're doing the same thing. So uh, as, as much as we can do this, I think it's I think we're changing our systems and the way that we look at our products. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. But we need to be talking about that and um, educating, you know, our area on how this works. And so that, you know, when people see that on a list or they see it on a menu, that's what they're ordering. All right. So you've got a very successful nonprofit that you're helping to lead. You're writing about wine for culture map. You've started a TV show, but you are still an award-winning culinary mind. So I know you've been doing some consulting. Yeah. Uh, um, talk about that just a little bit. Cause I, I don't think people necessarily realize that you're, you're, you're not completely out of the restaurant game. No, no, just not here so much. I mean, I help with people when they have questions and what have you, but um, you know, I spent a lot of time out in California and out in Napa right now doing some consulting with some groups, um, helping, you know, their food programs, but also helping management. I, I spend a lot of time as a coach. Um, and I think a lot of time, especially right now, uh, it, it's been hard over the past few years, you know, whether it be through staffing or whether getting through pandemic or whatever, that took a lot out of restaurant folks. And so sometimes you just need somebody to come in and, and give you a little pep talk, you know, and get you back on the right thing and kind of my job now is to unlock and basically keys to their heart. And uh, I think it's pretty easy, which you, 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 people have been doing this for a long time. And it's really, I say it's hard, but it has gotten harder um, just mentally and physically. Um, and so like having somebody come in and be like, I got you big dog, let's go, you know, and like, here's how we do this. And I may be saying the same things that they're saying. I'm just saying it differently and helping them unlock their selves. Um, I don't know. I'm a good coach, I guess. 
Yeah. What, what are you kind of seeing out there or like, I, I mean, I, I know, I know maybe your clients don't necessarily want you to identify who that you're working <laughs> for them, but, but like, what, what is an example of like, I came in and I saw some, you know, I saw something and, and now they're on a, a better footing. Well, you know, I hear, I, I basically sit and I do what I always do. I listen, right. I listen to what people tell me and then I help them try and rephrase that into the words that they need to say. Now, I may be literally just saying the same things, but it's all coming across with a better point. But it's, you know, it sometimes, it, you know, you look at how things just kind of get hard and, you know, it doesn't at some point, man, when you start talking about staffing, you start talking about costs, you start talking about all these things. Like it's a lot on the industry and, and, and sometimes they just need to hear people that believe in them. You know, and it's not that their other workers don't believe in them because they're all going through the same thing and they just need somebody from the outside um saying hey let's go like this is let's cook this way let's cook from this part of your heart let's cook what you know but let's turn it this way and so uh, i know that's kind of confusing on how i'm saying it but it's just giving insight into somebody's own mind sometimes they just need to hear it, you know and it's not like me saying hey i want you to do this no i don't want that i don't want to be doing that i can but i want people to believe in themselves because at the end of the day right I'm going to, I'm only there for a certain amount of time. And I think that's what consulting is. You're only there for a certain amount of time. Hey, try it this way. Hey, try it this way. Hey, try it this way. Unlock your own heart. You're doing this. Go. And they get them on that path that they need to be on instead of like me walking away in three or four or six months and then being like, um, what do I do now? That's the worst part of consulting, right? Is that you don't have the long term in, into it. You're there for a while. So you got to make somebody believe in themselves more than you do believe in the product that they have to do. You have to believe in yourself because people who are doing what they're supposed to do, they just need sometimes a, a, a little bit of someone that's there and says, I believe in you, man. You right. Or, or even yourself. that, like you're doing 80% of it. Right. And if you change these two things, yeah. you'll, you know, you'll feel so much better about everything. That everything uh, you're sometimes you're working harder, not smarter. Right. And, and, and you, you know, you're doing it. You just don't know how to get out of that circle. And, and so sometimes that's what I'm doing. I'm coming in. I'm like, if you just did this, it would work so much easier. Right. And, you know, a lot of it is like, hey, look at the products that are around you. Like, what if you just started using from this person, this person, this person, this person, this person? You don't have to source, try and keep sourcing it. They already have it for you. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. All right, right, man. I just, it's there. It's sometimes consulting is common sense. Yeah. So I, I have fun with that because you know what I don't have to do? Uh, service every night of the week. <laughs> well, I, I mean, obviously I have to ask you, I mean, seeing all these new restaurants and, and people you work with and are friends with and, and worked for you. I mean, you know, just, just over this past weekend, you know, Terrence Gallivan, who was at the Passive Revisions, he opened Elro. Uh, Lucas McKinney, who worked for you for years, is about to throw open the doors to Josephine's. You know, I know they just had their friends and family. I, I mean, just seeing all these people like out and about doing their thing. Do you do you get that itch? Do you do you think like, man, it, it would be kind of nice to be back in this again? You know, it's funny because like I'll sit with Lindsay and I tell her like, you know, I'd like to do this one more time, you know, or whatever. But I, I just I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a different world. For sure. Um, and, and I'm finding my footing in doing other cool things that still kind of go back to uh, 
cooking, right, in restaurants. And so I get that 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 it scratched a little bit. Um, but I still like to do dinner service for two. <laughs> so, um, and it's, at the end of the day, if I don't want to, I may prep stuff and then just look at Lindsay like, we're going out to dinner. Uh, so, <laughs> it's been known to happen. And, and I'll just cook that tomorrow or whatever. But, you know, we talked about it. And I'm not going to say it won't ever happen. But right now, I, I've, I'm, I'm finding the things that really are engaging me. And it helps me be a better steward of the community. Um, you know, if I can get out, especially with the show, and talk about places that people don't know and um, or do, but maybe forget or whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, they watch this TV show, and they're like, hey, I want to go eat there. And now that's on that list. Now that, that restaurant's getting people that they normally wouldn't have gotten. Um, then that's me doing what I'm supposed to do, right? That's yeah. just me being a steward of the city. Well, and it's so, cause you did this, you know, for years, you know, kind of in the run up to when underbelly opened and, and right mm -hmm. after, you know, as bus tours with, uh, you know, Houston first, uh, you know, for people who are paying you, you know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever to hang out with you mm -hmm. for a day. And, <laughs> yeah. and now it's going to be a free TV show and they, I mean, they don't get to eat the food, but at least they get to see it, you know, through your eyes and, and get your recommendations. I think, I think that's going to be really valuable for people. I think it's, you know, it's kind of my goal now, right, is to have the conversations and help the restaurants in a different way or be a part of the restaurant industry in a different way. Not like, you know, I don't want to review it or I don't want to do any of that, right? I just want to give people a, a, a good aspect of like, hey, this is something cool that's happening in your own neighborhood. Maybe you go check it out. Or maybe if you're on the west side of town this time, go try this out. Or maybe if you're down you know, on the East end, go check this person out. Like they're doing cool stuff. Right. And maybe, maybe we change the system that way. Right. It's just more inclusive and better. Uh, it's, it's more fun for me. Right. Plus, I mean, like filming is great. I like doing it. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Let me, yeah. I mean, did you, I mean, cause you know, a bunch of people who made a bunch of TV. I mean, did you talk to Andrew Zimmern or David Chang or any of these other people, you know, about their experiences? Did you get any tips? Yeah, I talked to AZ about it a little bit, you know, and he was like, and the beauty of like this programming is that um, it's kind of like the, the culture map wine column, right? I can do whatever I want, right? Nobody's saying you have to go here, you have to do this. Like it's, it's me writing um, and it's really no script. It's like just me talking and having the conversations with people, but it's like, I want to go shoot this. Okay, let's go shoot that. You know, and it's like, I want to tell this story about this. I want to tell this story about this. And so there's really no, like, someone else deeming you need to go do this, 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 and this, and this. Because if that was the case, I probably wouldn't do it, you know, I just because I want to be able to have the conversations that I want to have with the people that I want to have them with. Right. Uh, yeah, they sell, like, uh, we got a beer sponsor, and they sell a lot of beer at this place, so you got to go there and do your thing. You're like, uh, no, I'm, not, I'm not really good with that. You know, I get it. I'll NASCAR things, but, like, whatever when they have to be, but I, I still want to be able to have the conversations that I want to have with the people. So, cause it's like, you know what, this person is doing really cool things and they just need more people in here or they already have a lot of people and we just need to see what it's all about. Right. There's two sides to that coin, right? Cause a lot of places that are super busy, why are they super busy? I want to have that conversation too. Right. Um, yeah. Makes, uh, makes it fun. Totally. You know, as, as you know, I, I have an intern this summer Intern Abby, and so as part of her internship, intern I'm letting Abby. her. I'm letting her ask a question 
to, to every guest on the show for the length of her internship. So, all right. all right, Abby, do you have a question for Chris Shepard? I do. My question this week is, can you give us a sneak peek of the Southern Smoke Festival this year? Is there something you can reveal that you're doing differently that people can get excited about? I mean, I think that just having an all pretty much one space, one day, 65 chefs, I believe it is. Um, you know, I can't say I'm going to be out there doing cartwheels or anything like that. But, uh, I, you know, I think it's just one of these days. It's it's kind of a special moment. If you want to see me cry about four times, that's that's the day to do it because it's just pure generosity and pure belief in human humankind um, and helping an industry. Like that's the that's the goal. Right? Is there a sneak thing to it? Man, I'm all open about it. It's just, you know, I haven't gotten menus yet. So that will be the day when it's like, oh, wow, you're going to do that? <laughs> so <clears throat> we're just with the chefs. We're letting them do what they want to do. And um, I think it's just that's the day of the year that I look forward to the most. Uh, and I, I will say, you know, we, we send our photographer, Emily Jasky, to cover that. And she always gets us a great picture of you weeping. Oh man, it's like, a, it's like it's like a cornerstone of our Southern Smoke coverage. You know, I think you know if I if I can take a minute, like <clears throat> last this past year, you know, um, twenty twenty eighteen, we had you know I don't really I don't and that's the thing is like I don't understand I don't get to know the cases right I don't get to know who we're helping or what we're doing unless they say I want him to know. Um, and we had a young kid that was uh, on his fourth brain surgery. He got hit on his motorcycle. Um, and his mom was given the option to come up with a large, substantial amount of cash or, uh, to put her son into a high-end rehabilitation center or watch him, uh, put him into hospice and watch him pass. And, um, she had two days to figure this out. And within one day, we walked in with a check for a hundred thousand dollars and put him into that high-end rehabilitation center. And I said, you know, his, his restaurant was a pizza and a wing place out in Richmond. Um, and I said, the day, I'll never forget it, too, because we told the chefs, you know, that year, because this happened like two days after the festival in 18. And uh, Bianco calls me and he says, hey, man, do I need to come out and make pizzas at this guy's place while he's out? And I was like, dude, that's so nice. But, I mean, this is a long-term thing. It's a long-term thing. And I said, but I'll know that we're doing it right when Danny stands up and he makes a pizza with you. And he was like, I can't wait for that day. And so this past year at festival, uh, Danny was there. And, you know, his mom got him over there in his wheelchair, helped him get up. And he made, he made a pizza with Chris Bianco. And I sat over in the corner and just cried, just cried. And it, it's bringing me to tears right now because it's one of those things It's like, that's the change. That's what we're doing. We gave a mother the option to not watch her son pass away and be on this earth. And to make that pizza with Chris, it, it, it got me. It, it really got me. And so that's, those are the moments, Abby, that I look forward to. I look forward to the moments that I see that bring me to tears because it's just great humanity. So yeah, that's why you should buy a ticket to Southern Smoke because you never know you in any know. given year what the what that moment's going to be. Plus, like last year, they're like, "Okay, it's time to go hang out with Bo Jackson and Demarcus Ware," and I was like, "Do what? 
I'll be honest. The only bite of food that I ate last year at the festival was Bo Jackson's um, uh, plant-based chicken. And? It was good. It was good. Good. Yeah. But it was like Bo Jackson fed it to me. He was like, here, eat this. And I was like. You're like, you're like, like, I used to make you move with my Nintendo controller. And now you're standing in front of me. Bo knows. And DeMarcus Ware was one of the kindest people. And now he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's kind of cool. So (laughs) you just don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, in the past, Bun B will show up on stage. You just don't know. You never know. So you never know what's going to happen. All right. Well, I will say that brings me to the end of my questions. Is uh, there anything I haven't asked you about that you want to discuss? Nah, man. you know, I'm always up for new things. And I'll tell you, you know, got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. So we'll talk about it at some point, you know, and, um, you know, just hope everybody out there has a good summer and, Go out and visit your restaurants. Take care of your teams. All right. Well, before I let you go, I have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Oof. Chris Shepard, I know you you just filmed at Candente today. Mm-hmm. What is the most underrated item on the Candente menu? Hmm. The rice. What is Damn, the last? I love that rice. That rice is good. I, I, I think it's the, but I, I disagree. I think it's the carnitas. No, oh, not enough gonna, people get the carnitas. It's like I told him today. If he just did a rice bowl with carnitas on it, I, man, take my money. Just take my money. <laughs> Every day I'm down there just like, another rice bowl, please. You know, it's, <laughs> those two things just so darn good. All right. What is the last TV show you binge watched? I just watched The Bear. Perfect answer. All right. What is your, what is your go-to house bourbon? Like if I come over and you just are like, have a drink. Like, what are what are we drinking? Man, I'm whatever you want to drink. That's the thing. We got a lot of it laying around, and I'm always like, let's open it if we ain't open, and let's drink it if we haven't had it. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, you know, there's, I'm, I'm a collector, right? But I'm a drink. I like to taste it all. So I can't say I'm a drinker because I don't really sit around and drink whiskey too often unless people come over. But it's one of those things. Like, what do you want to try? So, what is a wine that we should be drinking this summer? Man, crisp, clean, acidic, high-acid, fun whites and rosés. You know, I think everybody's always like, Cabernet! I think you know from my articles, it's not cap season yet. There's only like not cap weeks. season yet. It's got to be there's a only two, There's only two weeks out of the year, maybe three weeks that are cab season in my book. But if you're going to go down that path of like you need some red wine, I'd sit back and drink some Gamay or some Grenache. Um, but yeah, high-acid, fun whites, man. Chablis, Awesome. And you know what? You, price point of like Premier Cru Chablis is not that expensive nowadays. I don't understand it, but it's delicious. So, all right. Then, right. last question: What's your favorite new restaurant you've been to recently? Man, so like I said, we went to Elro and Josephine's the past couple of days, um, and I and so I see where they're going and i'm super excited about both right um, those are you know going to be the places that i probably pony up on the, on a porch with not on the porch but just like up at the bar i already asked them if they would sell me a couple psls you know pro- private seat licenses at the end of the bar <laughs> just like two chris Lindsay, i'm good um uh man little's oyster bar was really good um i've been uh, i've been a little i've been a little three times and i like, I don't know how to tell people, like, this is, like, as much good food as, as is open this year, 
with June and Andiron and, and everything, like Littles is the one that I'm like, well, I've, I've been three times in six weeks, but like I could go again. Like yeah. I, 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 I go again this week if somebody wanted to. I also, but I, I start to see, you start to see that style of restaurant. I like it. Like I like Navy Blue a lot too. So I like the seafood right now, um, and the, and people that are cooking fish really well. So I I can't wait for Nono's to open. Oh yeah, I can't. Yeah, I I'm almost mad that I moved out of that neighborhood because I used to live close enough to walk to it, and that kind of it. I can't wait to see what the Nobis folks do with pizza. I, I'm really excited. <laughs> Maybe more than I should have. Hey, every time they post something up on Instagram, I'm like DM and I'm like, uh, if you need someone to try that out, just let me know. If you, need <laughs> if you need somebody to come in and look at the interiors, just let me know. Like as much as I can, just like, would you please do it now? Well, and it's that. just like that interior is like pure Gen X nostalgia. And yeah. so you and I are roughly the same age and it's just yeah. like, oh yeah, this is like my 80s childhood. Like this is like, this is like showbiz pizza, but grown up, you know? Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for the yeah. food scene in our city right now. I think there's a lot of cool stuff getting ready to happen. Um, or is that, that is happening right now. And so uh, I think that we're, we're on a, the, the wave is riding again, you know, and I think that's good. We need to see that every few years. All right. Well, I, I, this is going to sound obvious, but, but tell people how to follow what you've got going on. Give you, give us your IG, give us the Southern smoke website, give us all the, the things. Um, so there's uh Sea Shepherd 13, that's me. Uh, you can always follow my cats at Beans and Rosie, because uh, that's always something important for me. <laughs> and then southernsmoke.org, you know. Uh, right now, those are the things, and and but off my Instagram, I'll start talking about more stuff here in the future of what we're doing. So, Chris, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for appreciate your time. you, man. Always, man. It's always good to talk to you, and uh, appreciate you very much. Well, that does it for this week's show. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Thanks, Intern Abby. And thanks. It was so nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, too.